approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Coaches. I'm your host, as always, Coach Steve. Uh, we got a lot of people on today, guys, so let's go through it here quick and quickly here. Coach Jibs, what's going on, brother? How do you like um, that new intro? I love the intro, man. Um, ten, ten stars on that one, brother. Ten stars, thank you. Yeah, it's, I'm going to tweak it a little bit and try to get it going a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it started off nice. Uh, we have a couple guests going on today. Our first guest here is Marcus Grant. What is going on today? Not much, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Just uh, kind of enjoying my last couple of weeks of summer vacation. Summer vacation, in air quotes, <laughs> uh, before, before everything gets going for real. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a fill-in for Coach John tonight. Kyle, friend of the show. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, guys. I uh, love being on. Love the intro video. Love to hear the Gabe uh, Gabe Gearing intro song again. So shout out to FF Man Bun for all those intros. I know he does one for the Going For Two Live uh network as well so shout out to gabe and shout out to the coaches for having me on thanks guys absolutely absolutely guys coach john can't be with us today he is judging a tequila competition today so uh he's having i was a lot more fun that we might be that's rough man that's so hard (laughs) good luck tomorrow morning (laughs) the sleepers right that's the episode he missed was the sleepers for that yeah the sleepers yeah so it is what it is so but we got got a lot of of fun tonight guys so uh before we get started on the main segment tonight we do have some fantasy news to talk about All right, guys. So, of course, I have my slideshow today. There's not a lot of fantasy news. Uh, I mean, this was pretty big today. Uh, Leonard Fournette supposedly weighing in nearly close to 260 pounds. I know that was a big, uh, big fun to talk about on Twitter. Uh, Does this concern you guys at all with Leonard Fournette uh, being near 260? Or is it just maybe, you know, the the spring weight, he just hasn't had a chance to get off before training camp starts, obviously starting today for a few teams. So, Uh, no. I'm not, I'm not worried about this. Like, I feel like there, there are stories that come out where we're just like, reminds us that we are too online as a group, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, um, I feel like one, we, we, this happens every couple of years, right? Where Leonard Fournette comes up, where like, he like, you know, he spent too much time at the buffet in the off season, right? But like, by the time the season starts, he's back in shape. Uh, we did this with Najee Harris, right? Like a couple months ago where everyone's oh, like, oh, yeah. Najee is fat. And then like, he was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm two, two pounds over where I played at last year. Like it wasn't really a big deal. Um, the other part is the other guys on the, on the roster. I mean, there was, a, there was Keyshawn Vaughn is there. Uh, they drafted Rashad White, uh, but they still have Gio Bernard, right? Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see this as being a big thing. I feel like this is one of those things that happens you know, in July, a couple weeks before training camp, because we are starving for something to talk about when honestly, we're probably all better off just going outside and looking at the sun for a couple hours. <laughs> that is probably true. Uh, anyone else want to comment before we move on? Beautifully put by Marcus. I got nothing. Yeah, maybe you lost a <laughs> yeah, couple of really like if, this, if this was at the end of training camp and he was weighing 260 pounds, maybe you start to give credence to that the week of the draft, you might drop him a half round, but you know, before training camp even starts and, to go through all those rigors i'm sure he'll he'll lose the weight then if that's not where he wants to play at so right oh, exactly. let his adp slide that's fine yeah it's getting a little high for my taste anyway uh the other i guess not really big news at all but Nikhil harry former first round pick of a four four year three or four years ago now from the new england patriots gets traded to the chicago bears any hope for him to have a uh a rebound career here in chicago would you know wide receivers that aren't very many in Chicago right now. Isn't didn't he also change to tight end, which is a classic Chicago move to have a bunch of tight ends. So. Did he change to tight end? I did not catch I that. I well. hear that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I thought, I thought that was kind of rumored is that that was part of the move was also a position change just because I guess actually for once, they don't really have a big deep tight end room. They've, they've got Cole Komet, uh, but I, I guess I think they brought in James O'Shaughnessy as well, but it's not, what it used to be like a couple years ago where they, oh, they've got nine guys on the depth chart that could all make the team. So I guess they didn't have that. So now they want to get that again. So 
throw, throw Nikhil Harry in there as a tight end. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think he officially moved the tight end, but there was definitely talk that it could happen, or like he could play like a tight end type role there. Um, I don't know. I loved him coming out of Arizona State. I was, you know, a little bit disappointed that he never really made an impact in New England. Um, look. If he can't do it in Chicago, I don't know where he can because they they arguably have the worst, at least on paper, maybe have the worst wide receiver core there. So they need guys who can go out and play the position. So if anything, he'll get a fair shot. And if it doesn't happen here, then I don't I just don't think it was meant to happen. Well, shout out to him. He got away from Bill Belichick. Maybe he could grow his wings, but hey, I'm all for it. Like it doesn't look like there's many suitors out there after like the wide receiver frenzy and like free agency and all that good stuff. So you see where other teams priorities are at. Right. Exactly. So hopefully Nikhil Harry, good for you. Hopefully you get another chance to rebound. And again, that's really much it with the fantasy news today, guys, unless you love to hear about some beef that uh, JK Dobbins was having today with Ian Rappaport. <laughs> A lot of fun to see him uh, kind of go off on Ian there today, but uh, you know, this is part of his jobs and you know, it is what it is. So let's get into the main topic today, guys. And obviously, we are talking sleepers today. Marcus Grant, you get the first shot today on our sleeper talk. So the floor Ooh. is yours. Give us a sleeper to start off with. Um, all right. So the guy that, that I've sort of been really pegging uh, as a sleeper this year, um, Albert Okuyabunam. Albert O to most of us out there. Uh, tied in for the Denver Broncos. And this is a guy that, you know, coming out of Missouri was – pegged as being incredibly athletic, uh, you know, great speed. I mean, you know, his, his, I don't remember what he ran at the combine, but he was, you know, among the, the speed leaders, uh, certainly at the tight end position and he just landed in a spot in Denver where there was kind of a cap on his production just because the quarterback play was not particularly good. Now Russell Wilson is there. This offense is going to be better than what it has been the last couple of years with Drew Locke at the quarterback spot. And, and I know everybody's excited about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, and I'm excited about those guys too. But part of what Russell Wilson did all those years in Seattle was that he really did use his tight ends a lot. Um, you know, there's a reason that for years we kept trying to make Will Disley a thing the problem with Disley is that he just kept getting hurt. And so that sort of submarined all of our plans right there. But uh, the Seahawks use their tight ends a lot, and especially down near the end zone. Now you've got a guy who's incredibly athletic in Albert O. Maybe they use him between the 20s a little bit more. But worst case scenario, even if they just use him down near the end zone, I think he's a guy that really does have some potential. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be a top 10 tight end. That feels a little bit spicy. But I do think he's going to be a great streaming option. Uh, if you are of the mind to draft multiple tight ends, I think he's a great second tight end option for you. Uh, and I just think he's in a really good spot now that Russell Wilson's the guy throwing the football in Denver. Right. now, Marcus, I, I love that pick there. And that kind of like, you know, we just talked about breakouts last week, you know, and then the difference between a sleeper is someone that has that potential there, but we, we just don't know if it's going to be put all together once we, once we see it on the field. So I like that. Kyle, Jibs, uh, do you guys have any comments on Alberto? I went on Albro last week, so I'm all in with Marcus. <laughs> I, I just looked up his uh, RAS relative athletic scorecard, and for the 40 yard dash in particular, his, uh, his score is 9.89. So we're talking in the the you know almost the 99th percentile speed score. I, I think that's per position, so among tight ends. So certainly has that elite that athleticism that we like as tight end pass catchers. Now, it, you know, that doesn't always translate to production. We've, how many years have we been waiting for Mike Yusicki? I guess we kind of got something last year, finally. Uh, I do have Alberto in uh, my oldest dynasty league. It's a salary cap contract league, and it was a you know free agent auction acquisition from Alberto, and I, I took Oquavon on just cheaper than other tight ends, but maybe not more than the minimum, so I kind of invested a little bit more than I, I like to. I can't cut him for, for free, so I am banking on him. I'm going to have to play him every week there, so I do hope you're right, Marcus. <laughs> exactly and then honestly i mean i'm in one of the scott fish bowls and i saw him go i think in the double like middle of the, like round 13 14 <laughs> and so you can literally just if you want to wait on tight end uh and just go for that sleepable appeal that alberto uh, provides you i mean you're going to be able to get him so uh definitely love that one there marcus do you have a second one you want to give us sure uh let's go with rondell moore who uh was a guy that that i know, you know people had I won't say high hopes for, but I thought we we thought his rookie year, he could be something interesting and it never really panned out. Um, but I think this year the door is open, especially in the early part of the season for him to be productive. Christian Kirk 
uh, is gone. DeAndre Hopkins is gone for the first six weeks of the season. So there's going to be opportunity for him to get on the field. I know there's talk right now that he may be the slot receiver early on in the year. And, and Cliff Kingsbury is saying what they would like to do is trying to get him the ball in space, let him use his speed, use, him, use his athleticism to just kind of make plays with the football in his hand. And I think early on in the year, there are going to be chances to do that. As I mentioned, those two guys are gone. Uh, I know they brought in Marquise Brown, but there's still going to be opportunity for him to get targets in this passing game. And so my hope is if he can make enough of an impact in the first six weeks, when Nuke Hopkins comes back, because that's going to happen, and he's going to go back to getting the lion's share of the targets, but hopefully Rondale Moore in the first six weeks of the season can really solidify himself enough so that when weeks you know seven and beyond happen, he still does have a role in that passing game. And again, because of where he's coming off the board right now, because his ADP is so low, the potential reward, especially early in the year, is more than worth the risk you're putting out and the draft capital you're putting out to get him. So uh, you know, maybe this is it. The Andy Isabella experiment is probably over. I know he's still on the roster there in Arizona, but I just don't think uh, that the Cardinals are really, you know, really trying to make him a thing. They're not trying to make fetch happen with, with Andy Isabella anymore. <laughs> so uh, I think this is a chance for Rondale Moore to step in and, and become that guy. Oh, I remember Andy Isabella. I, I always took him very late in a lot of my drafts thinking, oh, this could be the year. And, Every year was not the year, so. <laughs> well, let's not I, be I too at, mean the, to, to. I was at the sure. combine the year he uh, he blew everybody away with the forty because it was Andy Isabella and DK Metcalf who just like you know jaw dropping forty times. Um, you know, one of those guys has turned into something. One of those guys, not so much. Unfortunately, that's just how it happens. Uh, Kyle Jibs, how do you guys feel about Andy um, Andy Isabella, Ron Moore? <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, so. <laughs> Go ahead, Chips. Oh, for me, like, I think, like, I was kind of off on him because, like, I think Coach Sean definitely despises him with, like, compassion. But, like, he's going to have an opportunity, like Marcus said, and, like, if you could, like, even flip that value, like, I don't know, in redraft leagues just to get something that's more sustainable in the long run, I'd say you could do so. Like, it's not hurting you because, like, he's a later round pick, too, as well. Kyle? I guess my concern is with, with the opportunity, I think before the Marquise Brown acquisition, I think that would maybe a little bit more easily excitable, I guess would be the way to, to talk about Rondale. I just did the, it looked like he might get that opportunity, but uh, I think his window for opportunity might be very short, uh, especially with Hopkins out that right away, you know, maybe the pressure on him to produce right away in those first six weeks, or if not, maybe he'll be really phased out of the offense as it builds around, Marquise Brown, Hopkins, and of course the the run game, which always seems to be so prevalent in the red zone. So I also, I don't love the touchdown upside just because of how much they do run in the red zone too. So uh, that's maybe someone I'm less excited about say than, than Okwebunan, for instance. Right. I think it depends how much, how creative they want to get with Rondell Moore. I mean, they're bringing in a lot of, they bring in Darrell Williams, who's a kind of a pass catcher could kind of do that short yardage that I thought maybe Rondell Moore could do after Hollywood Brown had been traded there. I was like, all right, well, maybe he'll do the shorter passes here. So it would be interesting to see that first six weeks is going to be a, a big calling for Rondo Moore, I think, in his early career. Because if he doesn't do anything, I mean, uh, there's no hopes that someone's going to want to keep them on his fan, on their fantasy team for the rest of the season. So Rondo Moore, hopefully you can kind of make a name for yourself early on. Because if not, I mean, it's, 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 we're not we're going to have another Andy Isabella on our hands. We do not want another Andy Isabella on our hands. <laughs> Which, so. like the way you're you're describing that, to be to, you know to be fair to Marcus, is why he's a sleeper. Right. It is someone that you you'll know right away. You'll you'll see is he getting immediate usage in this offense or not, and you can easily cut him within the first two three weeks. And I know we'll talk later about draft strategies, and that kind of enters into one of my draft strategies in particular: the ability to be flexible those few first few weeks when you need to pick up key waiver addition so Rondale might be good for that you, you'll know right away yeah there's smashes or you can cut him by by after week two probably so I'll say this though already in just one in his rookie year Rondale Moore had more receiving yards in his rookie year than Andy Isabella has had in three seasons so <laughs> god so he's got the, he's got that working for him at least you know good capital <laughs> step in the right direction <laughs> Marcus you want to give us one more sleeper Sure. Uh, well, I'll throw this out to you. Uh, I got a name here, and if you guys don't decide it's a sleeper, I can give you another one. But uh, Kadarius Tony, um, I don't know if he counts. I, I think he can, counts. I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't call him a, a breakout. I think he's no, he in that double-digit rounds anyway. So I would say, yeah, I would say he's a he has sleeper. Okay. 
So we'll 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 skirt the line. We'll walk the edge with uh, with Kadarius Tony right now. I mean, I know that when the Giants drafted him, a lot of people, me, it's me, I'm people, were like, this seems this seems like really early to take this guy. And you know, I feel like last year he was kind of his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. But when everything, you know, when he had his head right, when he was healthy, when he was on the field, there were moments where you're like, oh, I get it now. And I think this offense is going to shift to a point where they're going to try to feature him in the passing game a little bit more. And he's another guy, sort of like Rondale Moore, where they just want to get him in space. They want to get him the ball, let him be himself. Uh, because, you know, we saw moments where he was just shaking guys, breaking ankles and, and making ridiculous plays with the ball in his hand. Uh, now, the thing with Tony, just like pretty much everybody in that Giants offense, is they are going to be very dependent on Daniel Jones and, and what he can be. I mean, I feel like we've sort of seen it, that we sort of know how that movie ends. But this is, I think, kind of his last big chance to prove that he can be a franchise-type quarterback in the NFL. If he can approach that, then I think everybody around him sort of benefits. And so, uh, again, I think, I think what happened last year has a lot of people just sort of writing off the Giants' pass catchers. I mean, you look at them on paper, and it's they're fine. They're oatmeal. I always like to, I always like to you know, use the term oatmeal because like oatmeal is it's fine, right? Like it's nutritious and it's filling and you know, like it's good enough. But like when you go out to breakfast with your friends and family, you're not like, mm, give me some of that oatmeal. <laughs> but like, I think, I think that's what people think when they look at this giants pass catching group and I get it. Um, but I do think there's the potential for something more there. And so because everybody's shying away from them again, Kadarius Tony is another one where you're not spending ridiculous amount of draft capital to bring him in. And if he starts to touch what the giants think he can touch, uh, then you end up with a really good secondary receiver on your fantasy roster somewhere. No, def- I definitely agree with that one for sure. Uh, Jibs, Kyle, how do you well, feel I'm, about Tony? I'm going to jump in and almost hijack this segment to not just talk about Kadarius Tony, but I'm going to enter my first sleeper into it, which is going to be Kenny Galladay actually. But for a lot of the same reasons, a lot of the same price Mark is talking about, they're both kind of cheaply attainable. And you almost, you can even add Wandale Robinson, the rookie, into there and, and kind of you know, pick your poison. Whatever Giants wide receiver you think is going to be the wide receiver one, they're all at a price where you're, you're, you're you know, going after wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours even. So I think the, the cost for all of them is great. Um, I know for myself, I'm doing some touchdown prediction um sort of uh just trying to figure out where you know individual teams but also individual players the touchdowns are going to come from this year and right now i have galladay leading the giants in receiving touchdowns with four uh barkley at three and then everyone else at two or less now i know what what enters into that is pass production is is a big part of that and galladay's especially touchdown production was really good in detroit so i do wonder is is Galladay maybe, does he have the wrong quarterback, the wrong type of quarterback? Is, is Jones, seems like he's a good down-the-field thrower, for, but is he not necessarily going to throw contested catches, which seems like Galladay catches a lot. So d- does the type of receiver, the, the, you know, the, the type of receiver Tony is, Marcus, does that enter into, you think that works better with Daniel Jones? I think it does. I, my, now my question back to you is, any concern that Tony and Wandale Robinson are too, too much the same guy in that, that maybe hurts one or both of them because it seems like they're sort of maybe not clones of each other, but very similar, at least stylistically to each other. They'll they'll succeed kind of over the middle, short areas of the field, kind of after the catch usage. So, and I think that maybe that's why I've got them split with two receiving touchdowns each. I didn't know kind of where to to put that production to one or the other. So. Yeah. Coach Dibbs, you want to, want to circle both these players around here for you? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I want to circle them all. I had Kenny Galladay as my sleeper as well, so we okay. kind of thinking to like. But um, the guys you're getting for dirt cheap, basically peanuts, like 129th overall. You're getting basically a potential wide receiver one A on or one B on the offense in the 11th round in fantasy drafts. Like if you're doing like a three wide receiver league, that's just some good insurance that you're not really have to pay a good like uh, premium on and he led the team in targets last year i know they're all in in and out but that still kind of says something as pathetic as the giants were but they're looking pretty good and they're on the right path so i have some optimism wait jibs what's what's on your shirt there my guy what is that 
So you got it. You got a You got an actual shirt. I love it, man. <laughs> I did not know you had that. I love that. I love that. I see. I love it. I love that. I got to get one, I guess now. Uh, but I, I think both these players, like they fall in that category for sure, because there's potential for, you know, Kenny Galladay to get kind of get back to that form he had in Detroit. And I think we saw glimpses of what Tony could do if he's able to stay healthy. And I think, I think all these giants wide receivers have an opportunity to at one point during the season to be the number one guy because the injuries, I mean, Kenny G has been continuously been injured over his career. Hopefully Tony isn't a guy that's going to be injured in his NFL career. So I kind of do like him a little bit better. Sterling Shepard is, is a fan favorite of mine, but he gets injured every single year at this point. So really don't know. And I think Darius Slay, I think kind of, kind of put himself out of the running of, 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 of favoritism with Daniel Jones, it seems like, because it's just he's just regressed over his his time in the NFL. And so I think Tony gives you the biggest impact role. Maybe Kenny, Kenny G kind of gives you a, a solid floor, possibly, if he can kind of get back on the same foot as uh, with Daniel Jones. So I like both these guys. I hope one of them goes off. Someone's got to go off, right? Someone just yeah. can't. There's got to be someone that actually produces, hopefully, in this offense compared to what we saw last year. And I think it comes down to if Daniel Jones can stay healthy at this point. So... I have Daniel Jones throwing for 20 touchdowns. Does that does that seem too low? Does that seem that's, too high? That's not satisfying at all. Yeah, it's just like I don't know if it's too low <laughs> or not, but it's just it's just oh, it hurts my soul. <laughs> Is he rushing for some? Uh, yeah, like that seems two or three. What did I have, Matt? Uh, I think yeah, Matt three rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, I mean, this, I don't know if Daniel Jones has it in the throw 35 plus touchdowns in a season. I think he had 24 his rookie year, but he hasn't eclipsed 20 since. I think it was that's what I had, had looked up. So Jesus. it's 20 is kind of almost in the middle range. Um, I, I'm projecting him at his career average touchdown rate, which is 3.5 percent. Maybe Dable helps him get to the four percent, Matt, and then he'll get up into the mid 20s. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised he actually has another shot, to be honest. The way the NFL works today, I feel like it, if you don't have to do it in the first two years, I mean, you, you're just not making it in the NFL. But Are the are the Giants just that much of an old-school organization that they're not? Mm-hmm. Like, is, because, they're, they're, I mean, they're one of the oldest NFL franchises, but it seems like also old ownership kind of – they like it done a certain way and that they'll follow kind of old conven- convictions and not kind of go in with the new school. Fall on the sword. They, they stuck with Eli Manning a, a few years too long, so, I mean – they, they just have loyalty to their, their draft picks, I guess. So it is what it is. So, Kyle, you're up now with your sleepers. You gave us the first one in Kenny G. Give us the second one here. And this is, a, I guess, this is that same range. Is is this a sleeper or not? So I think they're probably, this player's higher ranked than Kadarius Tony. This might, you actually might say no to a sleeper, but does Juju Smith-Schuster count? I think I, in a new spot. I think in a new spot, a new offense. I think, I, you know, there are a lot of unknowns there. there. I, th- I think it's possible. It's possible. So yeah, Tell go ahead. Us about Juju. All right. Well, I just think, you know, we saw what he had produced, you know, year two, uh, you know, his second, his sophomore season had well over a thousand yards seemed like, you know, I think in, you know, in dynasty circles was starting to be considered the, the wide receiver one in dynasty almost, if, if not the outright number one. Uh, and then, you know, week, I think week two of the next season, Ben Roethlisberger blows out his elbow and then suddenly Juju's role in the offense completely shift to, you're going to stand at the line of scrimmage and catch passes and do it all after the catch. And that's, I don't think that role is going to stay with the chiefs. Like that's not really how they operate at all. It's, it's really a downfield offense. And I think Juju's going to get a chance to re-showcase what made him so successful. I guess was that 2018, I suppose the second year. And so, uh, you know, the big concern with Juju was, especially after Antonio Brown left, can he do it as the number one? Now, he might be the number one wide receiver for the Chiefs, but the, the number one alpha in the passing game is always going to be Travis Kelsey to kind of draw it away. So it does almost put Juju in that unique but also optimal situation where he's not the number one, but the quality of targets he's about to receive, it is as good as Ben was kind of right before that injury, you know, 20, you'll say 2014 through 17, probably the best we've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger throw the football. Uh, but what even that I don't think comes close to how – how Patrick Mahomes can throw it. So I think just the quality of passer uh, currently I have Juju second on the team in receiving touchdowns with eight, actually second on the team in scrimmage touchdowns. I have him with, I only have Edwards Hilaire with seven total. So I think Juju's in for a, we could say it's not really a breakout because he's already done it, but a bounce back season, I suppose. And I think people are maybe sleeping on him, especially in redraft. Like I get the dynasty hype of sky more, but I think for a, from a one year perspective, I think Juju's the number two guy to have there and, could I think easily reproduce what Tyreek Hill did last year, which wasn't all that 
it was it was high volume. I mean, Tyreek, I think it was the first time he ever caught 100 passes in his career, but he had high, far, much better receiving yardage seasons. So uh, maybe also losing a step a little bit. So I think Juju can replicate what Hill did last year. And you know, if he doesn't quite get to 100 catches, I think uh, certainly as a red zone weapon should get to that eight touchdowns that I'm projecting him for. Right. And the, the, the more you kept on talking, the more I thought about it. it was like, you know, when it comes to Juju, you know, there's so much uncertainty with that 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 Kansas City offense there because we really don't know who's going to be the true wide receiver one outside of Travis Kelsey. Is it going to be MVS? It's going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be you know is Michael Harmon finally going to show something and be the guy we've been waiting for for the last three years? So the way that Juju's going, I think he's going in round between I think if I'm not mistaken like seven and nine currently right now. There's big potential to have a, have a big season, but like there's just so much uncertainty that I think he's going lower in drafts because no one really just knows what's going to happen at the end of the day with this Kansas City Chiefs passing offense that I think he falls in that sleeper category. So I do like that one there, Kyle. Uh, Marcus Jibs, um, how do you guys feel about Juju? So what I think works in Juju's favor is, as you mentioned, I mean, obviously the the quarterback upgrade going from, you know, a end of career broken down Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes very much in his prime. But I think with that also comes just him being more of a downfield option. Um, you know, we had sort of joked amongst ourselves that uh, Ben turned Juju kind of into a tight end more than anything. And and the you look at his air yards per target sort of bears that out. I mean, the last two years, 2021 it was at six and a half. 2020, it was under six. Like he was having less than six air yards per target. Um and, and just you, you couldn't get anything out of it. I mean, everything had to be Juju making it happen on his own after the catch. But earlier in his career, that number was well above eight, eight and a half. Um, that's a stark difference. And so I think going to Kansas City gives him that opportunity to get back closer to that player than the guy who was. Look, there's nothing more frustrating to me than when your fantasy wide receiver catches the football and the blue line of scrimmage line is still on the screen. And that was Juju's <laughs> life for a couple of years. Hopefully that's not his life in Kansas City, and I, I just don't think it will be. We're hoping for that with Rondale and for Juju, right, Marcus? Like both yeah. of <laughs> right. them. Just, just as, long as, the, as long as I can't see the line of scrimmage line on the screen, I'll feel better about it. Coach Jibs. I wasn't really um... – hot on juju before this and um kyle you definitely brought some great points like i definitely believe that like travis kelsey definitely will make a big difference in how they'll operate and like kansas city and andy reed uh, great offensive like philosophy so like i think they could definitely get him working and he could be a nice wide receiver three for your team i guess and then later round for you and to any listeners and viewers who don't believe in Juju, well, I'm, I'm just looking at like my Scott Fishbowl results. And I didn't take Juju, but I, I did take Patrick Mahomes. And the stack I got was Marquez Valdez Scantling in the 12th round. So, I mean, that that could also maybe count too. If you don't believe in Juju, it's probably because MBS is probably going to take that role. I just really don't believe in Hardman. I think I think there's a reason those two free agents and they drafted Sky Moore. They're, they're saying they don't, they don't really want McCole Hardman as a featured weapon in the offense. So I believe in all three of those guys. I had a Hardman. I don't know. I see Hardman is clearly the fourth wide receiver there. I don't know. Am I, am I, am I selling Sky more too high as a rookie? But no. uh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think at least for fantasy, I think the Nicole Hardman dream is over. I mean, to the point that uh, like Byron Pringle was more of a thing. Yeah. Um, Marcus you know, Robinson they, had a shot at one point. <laughs> then they tried, to, they tried to resurrect Josh Gordon, you know? <laughs> he's still there, actually. I'm pretty sure he's still on the, the same. The fact that he's still there is mind-blowing. <laughs> Does you know, he count so, as a sleeper, too? <laughs> Uh, no a, man it's that, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's another one we just need to you know we need to don't don't cry because it's over just smile because it happened right like that 2013 season was really fun it was also nine years ago <laughs> like it's time for us to move on uh, for sure is, that's crazy that's so long ago all right coach jibs you are on the clock now my friend give us your first sleeper uh, i only got two since we talked to much about Galladay, but I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Spiller, and I think it's inconceivable that the Chargers probably don't want to give Austin Eckler work close to the 300 touches and um, due to a slighter frame like other NFL running backs, but he had 276 uh, total touches last year and his second closest before that was in 2019 with 240, so I think that's where Spiller comes into play. We've seen them do Josh Kelly. We've seen them do Larry Roundtree. We've seen them do Justin Jackson. He didn't re-up Justin Jackson's contract, so it kind of points in the direction I feel like Isaiah Spiller has a good shot to be the 
RB2 on the roster and probably supplant some of Eckler touches in short yardage situations. But obviously, this is kind of going to go with like a handcuff plus philosophy. Like, I think like eventually, like once he gets his um, feet settled in the NFL, I think he could develop like an eight to 10 touch kind of thing and then kind of take off from there. And then um, I don't think he's going to be a rock star running back, but I think if the situation does come and also Eckler were to get injured, I think he's just a guy you should monitor and pick up in draft. So that's why he has some sleeper appeal for me. This is why we do a podcast together because I completely agree with you. <laughs> but uh, Kyle Marcus, how do you guys feel about Isaiah Spiller? Do you believe in, in the sleeper appeal that he might present? I think he's a good insurance policy. He's a good handcuff. Um, if, especially if you're drafting, drafting Austin Eckler. Because if something happens to Eckler, then obviously he walks into this huge role. But um, the fact that you like rattled off like you know three or four names of guys that Eckler has just you know sort of pushed aside, I think sort of <laughs> speaks to it, right? I mean, it was like it was a couple years ago where uh, Josh Kelly had a huge game in Week One, and we all went nuts. Like I, I remember, I remember saying that uh, you know the. Josh Kelly was coming for Austin Eckler's role. And like last week, somebody asked me about Josh Kelly and I had to like stop and think like, wait, what was his name? Like that's, that's sort of where we are. Um, so I think Spiller is, I think Spiller is primed to be the RB two there in Los Angeles. Uh, but you know, I, I still think they want to give Eckler a lot. And here's the thing. I know he's, he's short. He's not small. Austin Eckler is short, but he's not small. And I think that's worth noting. Like that dude, you know, they always talk about boxers pound for pound, who's the toughest. And pound for pound, Austin Eckler is maybe the strongest player in the NFL. I don't know if you've seen like videos of his workouts. The boulder. They're insane. Um, so I think I think he's probably more durable than we give him. I know he's had he had injuries early in his career, but last year he stayed relatively healthy. I think he's tough. Um, so I I still sort of believe in him. I mean, he right now is my number two player off the board overall after Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I, I like Isaiah Spiller as that sort of insurance policy in case something goes sideways with Eckler, but, uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to believe yet that somebody's going to eat, eat into his touches significantly enough for me to be worried. I, I do think we're all in agreement so that he probably will be the, the main backup, which is the first thing you really need when you're looking at those handcuffs. Like what are the situations where like that one doesn't really have clarity to the situation, but I think we can project the clarity of, of the talent of Spiller. What, you know, what he produced in college is much greater than anything those other guys had shown. And so because of that, I, th- I think he, he feels safe, secure as a, as a handcuff in that sense. Like I, I look to Jamal Williams to me, almost a sleeper pick of, of his own as being one of those clear handcuffs, I think, because he is the very clear number two and he almost has like a plus role where he has the standalone value. And I, I do wonder, is the goal line role, is that the, the spot where they maybe want to take away from Eckler? And so I have it projected right now, uh, Eckler with six rushing touchdowns, and then the second and third running back combined for four. Assuming that most of that, if not all those four, go to Spiller, like that's a good way to kind of boost that. If, if you know That'll be maybe tough to guess which weeks he's going to get the touchdown, but if you can guess right, maybe that's a good way to aug- augment that, that fantasy value, maybe, maybe even have him as, as a startable player even when Eckler is healthy. So I think that's, you know, Spiller, Jamal Williams, I think both have those, those characteristics where they could get those touchdown t- touches, ca- even some catches for Williams, uh, even when the starters in play. Right. And I, the way I, 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 I agree with you because the way I see it is that like looking at this Chargers offense. Now they're a team that I think is primed to, to try to make a run right now. I mean, they, they have a, a solid, great, amazing quarterback. They have a great wide receiver core. Their defense is, is, I think, one of the better defenses. They have a fantastic offensive line. Trying to overwork Eckler just doesn't make sense. I mean, they're going to give him the future role, without a doubt. I and mean, that's why he's going in the top, you know, top 10 and in, in, in redrafts right now. But, you know, getting Spiller, that bigger, bigger body, I think bigger body overall guy in there more on that, you know, goal line area could just take away those touchdowns, which gives, you know, Spiller that opportunity to score touchdowns. I mean, Eckler had, what, I think 15 by himself last year, something like that, I think it was. I think it actually might have been 12. I think he was 8 and 12. Uh, I mean, there's no reason why I think Spiller couldn't get six in this this high-power offense this coming season here. I mean, I expect this whole division in the NFC, AFC West to, like, just be scoring nonstop. So there's a potential there for him. Again, we don't know. Still, they might want to just give Eckler that role, but it's a real possibility, Jibs. So I, I like it. So give us right. your number two guy. Uh, I'm going to go deeper then. So um, I'm going to go Austin Hooper, guys. And he's 
fantasy pros are tight end 24 ADP 175 so he's basically going your last rounds of drafts and like for me like Tennessee's offense like it is what it is we know it's a ground pound Derrick Henry we're gonna throw pretty much optimal or league low levels but they've used their tight ends consistently throughout the years and I like kind of did some research and like I know like a 10 percent um red zone share or 10% target share isn't much, but like you see reports about Austin Hooper being getting good rapport with Tannehill and like they lost a lot of weapons. Like we know they have Robert Woods coming back from the ACL. They got Traylon Burks who's what he has, um, I guess like um, stamina issues, but like he'll get his sea legs together. But still, I, I feel like that rapport and this the history of the tight ends being involved in this Tennessee Titans offense, especially when Ryan Townhill arrived, I think makes him a appealing sleeper. And I think he's going to be tight end 24 out of the water. So that's why he's my deep brown sleeper. I mean, I think he is right now. I think his ADP, if I'm not mistaken, he is like the tight end, 24th tight end off the board currently right now. I think the last time I checked today. But uh, Kyle, Marcus, how do you guys feel about Austin Hooper as a potential sleeper? Uh, I should get out of my feelings, right? Because like a couple of years ago, I was like all in on Austin Hooper. Like when he first went, when he first went to Cleveland, I was just like, you know, he'd come off that big season in Atlanta, and he goes to Cleveland, and I'm like, big yeah, money contract, yeah. right? I'm like, they're going to use him a ton. It's going to be great, and he really didn't do anything. So I'm sort of in my feelings. So let me kind of like you know try to shake that a little bit. Um, I mean, I'll say the opportunity is there, right? And we've seen what they've done with tight ends in the past. I and mean, you go back to Delaney Walker and then Jonu Smith. And then, you know, I know there's a, I know there's an Anthony Ferkser hive out there somewhere. So, <laughs> Speak of the um, <laughs> right. And so there it is, right? It just pops up. Right there. Ask, you, yeah. ask you, you shall receive the Ferk daddy gets a, gets a shout out here. Um, so I think there's an opportunity and the fact that, yeah, I mean, look, they, they don't have AJ Brown. They don't have Julio Jones. Um, you know, like you said, Robert Woods is there. Sure. We'll see what, what Traylon Burks is. Although, you know, for my money, Traylon Burks is sort of the, uh, you know, he's the, the target brand, uh, AJ Brown a little bit, uh, you know, shout out to target, man. I live next door to a target. Like I'm there all the time. I got, I'm not, I'm not looking down on target at all, but you know, he's kind of a lesser version of, of that. So there is, there is a pathway. And again, I think with just like with a lot of these guys, it's all about, the draft capital and because Austin Hooper is damn near free in drafts uh, you know, it's worth it. As long as you're not counting on him as your week weekly starter, I think you're fine. If, if you, if you're drafting him to be your tight end one um, you know, woe be unto you. Cause you may be, you may be a little bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. I want to pair him up with like a later round guy. Like say if I could get like, I could take two stabs, get me an Albert Owen and Austin there you Cooper, go. and then yeah, boom, like, you just got there you two go. picks, two scratch-offs. And, and it's funny because I think you have two different type of archetypes that you can kind of almost play off. Like a Hooper almost would give you the safe floor, especially early on in the season. Likely going to see a lot of targets early on with Robert Woods kind of recovering from the ACL injury and with the Traylon Burks kind of finding his way. He seems like a prime candidate to, again, be something that I'll talk about later in the draft strategies, but, you know, tight ends who get targets right off the bat early in the season. He seems to be a good candidate for that. Whereas Albert O attached to Russell Wilson, the high touchdown upside. So you can maybe see those games coming. Oh, AFC West opponent, Denver, Kansas city, Denver chargers. Okay. Lots of touchdowns. I'll throw Albert O that, Oh, this could be a game where they dominate run heavy. Okay. Maybe I'll want the volume in Hooper. So if you kind of play off like types of, of receivers as well with that, with, if you're going with two late tight ends, you can maybe play the matchups a little easier if you've got two different types of, of players. And I think knowing your scoring settings, Austin Hooper, I think is a great tight end, especially in tight end premium leagues because of the opportunity. If he's the, the top number one, number two target on his team, most of the year, he'll be the type of tight end to get the boost you know, with more receptions in a, in a tight end premium league. Albert Okwebunon, maybe not so much. He's not someone that probably gets that much of a boost in tight end premium leagues. We think a lot of touchdowns. So, you know, more standard scoring half point PPR leagues. That's maybe where you especially want to target Albert Okwebunon. Yeah, Albert O is more like two catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Well, you know, Austin Hooper is like six catches, 50 yards. Like, that's the way I kind of see with both these guys. But, Jibs, I know I love this pick. And I really, I really wanted, uh, you know, Hooper and my Scott Fishbowl, but now I'm stuck with Adam Trotman as my tight end. <laughs> really just no. came to the position and someone took him from me two spots before I was going to get him. So shout out to that person. But I, I think the, there's a QB upgrade there. I mean, I, I think Ryan Town is a solid quarterback. He has been the last few years in Tennessee. 
And I'm trying to I'm trying to give Austin Hooper a break because you know I believe he did have like surgery at one point during either last season or the season before. You know they, they were kind of a mess on offense where you know you have three different tight ends playing all at the same time. You're trying to feed the ball to Odell Beckham when he was on the field and Jarvis Landry, and then obviously running the ball a ton. I feel like Austin Hooper, you know, it, it, he wasn't good in Cleveland, but I feel like he's just getting a bad rap, and I think uh, the rebound is potentially there. So I do like that, Chips. All right. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, so I have my two guys here, and I'll start with the first one here. And my first one is Deontay Foreman currently right now. And, you know, he just signed the one-year deal with Carolina Panthers. And I feel like there is potential to have a sleep appeal, especially in those later rounds. I mean, he was someone who I think coming out a couple like 2018, I liked him coming out in Houston a couple of years ago. And then Fochi tore his Achilles and kind of just, you know, disappeared the last few seasons because, you know, those things are really hard to come back from besides, you know, when Cam Akers does it. <laughs> but, you know, this past year when he got an opportunity to be the the bell cow guy that I thought he could be, you know, from weeks 12 to week 18, he was an RB, he was RB 15. I mean, he had 300 yard games, you know, he dominated like for Tennessee Titans and played well. And they brought him in for a reason, you know, uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard um, you know, was very inefficient his rookie year in Carolina. And they clearly wanted to bring another back there that, can be a little bit more efficient and Deontay Foreman was and we all know that CMC we don't know what exactly we're going to get out of him but I know there were rumors about him seeing a little bit less work here maybe they try to use Foreman a little bit more again and CMC is still going to be the bell cow guy but maybe they try to use him on earlier downs more to give CMC that opportunity to be fresher and healthier on those passing down situations where he thrives in and you know in the later rounds I feel like he just he has that opportunity to be a sleeper type so I don't know how you guys feel about uh, Foreman but uh, I mean, I think, I, I think, and this goes to, I know we're going to talk a little bit about draft strategy too, because I think these sort of go hand in hand is when you're looking at a guy like Deontay Foreman, you are looking at what his potential opportunity can be depending on how things kind of shake out in front of him. And you're right last year uh, in Tennessee, he, he, he did a pretty good job uh, when they were looking for somebody just to fill in for Derrick Henry. And and I thought he he did pretty well there. So uh, depending on how the, the Panthers want to to shake out their their offense and look i i know people don't like watching preseason i don't like watching preseason i'll just be i'll be honest with you like i i have a son i'd rather go outside and like you know teach him to ride his bike than watch you know a bunch of dudes who i don't know playing football um but it's at least worth paying attention right to see how the panthers are going to split up uh some of their opportunities this year right like i would be surprised if we see mccaffrey much if at all during the preseason so that'll give us a good look at what happens with Chuba Hubbard, with Deontay Foreman, with everybody there. And I think that's going to be key to pay attention to because whoever gets that number two job is going to have a whole lot of fantasy value. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, maybe like Spiller where we kind of have to project it. Although with with Spiller, I think we we kind of more easily see it. Like he's going to be the guy. Maybe Chuba Hubbard is, is maybe better competition for that than say Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree. So it is one where maybe there is, easy way to figure that out though. Like Mark is saying, the preseason might actually reveal something there for us in terms of, you know, who's, who's getting the start, who's getting a lot more carries between those two in particular. I need a little time to simmer on that. Where's he going though? Currently, though? <laughs> uh, he's, he's going later in drafts right now. I think he's, he just moved. I'm doing like a ADP riser and follow right now. He just moved up like 20 overall spots. I mean, I think he's okay. still, he's still like, and I think he's 179 now, if I'm not mistaken. On all over on Fantasy Pros ADP currently, so, so I mean he's still 15, going pretty well. Round. That's yeah, like, like said, 16 rounds, so it, there's potential there. I know there's some things that have to happen between town, but I, I, I'm going to take a shot on him if I can. So, and on to my last guy. I feel like we need to talk about a quarterback. I know nowadays it's been the last couple of years. I feel like it's taking a quarterback in the late rounds just seems to be a bad situation. Besides, you know, it may be. Cousins, if he falls for some reason in the late rounds, but there's been a couple of years since we've seen a quarterback kind of take that big step. You know, I know so Pat Mahomes did a couple of years ago, and Josh Allen did it one year. Uh, but Davis Mills, I want to talk about here as a potential sleeper this season here. And I know he's basically has a one year window. This is it. If he if he plays poorly, he's probably gone, and the Texans are going to draft one of the top QBs in next year's draft. But uh, he was surprisingly pretty decent overall for me as a rookie for what he had around him. I mean, he had like no run game, no wide receivers outside of Brandon Cooks. But, I mean, the, th- the situation for him got better. I mean, Marlon Mack, we don't know. Hopefully he can take that Deontay Foreman approach and be good after taking two years off. Not two years off, but two years away from his torn Achilles. Uh, Damian Pierce, a lot of people seem to like. And he's getting pushed up draft boards right now, too. 
so there's improvement in the run game is there. And then you have Brevin Jordan, who hopefully takes another step in his development overall as a potential tight end uh, in the NFL. Again, he's still raw coming out, but there's potential there. We saw it at points last season. And then you obviously have Brandon Cooks. You have John Michi, who, to be honest, I think is slightly underrated overall because I feel if he didn't get hurt last year, I feel like, and obviously if Jameson Williams didn't come to Alabama, I mean, we'd be probably talking about John Mechie as in that first round being the Alabama's number one wide receiver. And then you have Nico Collins there, who, you know, people seem to like last year as a sleeper guy, someone from Michigan who played well, you know, last year at times. So he's got a better core around him overall. And he was bad last year. And he was someone who, you know, his completion percentage was better than a lot of people. And a lot of the top guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, you know, his deep ball game was really good. He was good in the red zone. His seventh best overall completion versus man in zone. And then look at his schedule, guys. I mean, you got the Raiders. He's got the Titans, Philly, New York, the Giants, the Commanders. Miami is pretty good secondary. Uh, you know, the Browns, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Titans. There's potential there for him to play well next season. And they're obviously going to be behind in games. So he's going to have to throw the ball more. He's definitely one guy. Again, you're probably not going to just be hit. That's not going to be your QB1. You're going to pick him up as your QB2 and, and see what happens there. But there's potential for him to, to really do something really well this year. I don't know how you guys feel about Davis Mills. I liked him. I wanted him in Scott Fishbowl, but couldn't get him. A couple picks before me once again, but. I, I've been saying that I can make a strong case that he was the best rookie quarterback in the league last year. Yes. Um, you know, I know statistically and on field, you know, wins and losses, uh, Mac Jones, his numbers were better. I get it. But when you sort of factor in everything Davis Mills had to work with, the guys around him, the situation he was in in Houston, I think he was the best rookie quarterback in the league last year. Um, so I don't think that's ridiculous. Uh, I will say sort of to go hand in hand with that. Another guy I probably could have mentioned is a sleeper. I mean, I put Damian Pierce there because very few things are settled in Houston offensively. Like they like Mills and they're going to give him every opportunity to be uh, the, the the starter, I think they, they kind of want to see what they got or, and, and if they can build around him. Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver one. After that, everything's wide open. So uh, I do like Davis Mills. And I think I think if I'm Davis Mills, man, I go I go DGAF this year. Right. Because why not? This is my chance to kind of show <laughs> that I belong and to show that I, I deserve this job. So I'm just you know, I'm going to I'm going to go pull some plays out of the Jameis Winston YOLO bag and just, you know, make some throws and see what happens. And if it works out, then great. I'm a hero. If it doesn't, so what? No one's expecting anything from the Texans anyway. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that attitude is represented in like the number I've got captured is 609 pass attempts for, for Houston. And it's like, it seems, it seems like a lot, but it's kind of also based off his, his pace from last season too extrapolated over 17 games would, would kind of give something close to around 600. So uh, 27 passing touchdowns, a 4.4 pat, you know, uh, percent touchdown rate, which, which, which is not like he can eat. I think that's a little bit higher than last year. I think he, last year at a 4.1%. So it gave him a bit of a boost there. Uh, but yeah, looking at those numbers volume wise, he should, he should finish as a top 24 quarterback based, based purely on volume. And if he has any type of efficiency whatsoever, guys like, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, Damian Pierce, as young players step up. Yeah, good efficiency with volume. Should definitely even finish as top 20, maybe even close to top 15. Yeah, and I'm going to take that year, like, ending um, consistency he had towards the end of last season. Plus, like, he had, like, a lot of people in and out with COVID. Like, there looks like they kind of, like, patched up some things. So, like, I think he could definitely have, like, even a better step forward this year. He had my boy Chris Moore starting at one point. I mean, I don't know how many y'all know Chris Moore. But <laughs> he had a nice little story there, but come on. Like, he, he's got better weapons now. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. So uh, that is going to end our sleeper section of the show, guys. We do have one more section real quick for our guests both to speak real quick. It's about draft strategies for this coming season, kind of what uh, what, what they kind of look to do, whether, you know, they may like to take running backs early, whatever it may be. Uh, Kyle, since you mentioned it first, I will let you go and say what your, your overall draft strategy for redraft season is. Yeah, I've thrown enough references there. Um, <laughs> I'm not necessarily too fond of the tight end position, and this strategy almost works great for it because you're basically going to ignore large portions of the position. And the idea is, you know, grab one of the early guys. And I think this year the, the case would be Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, spend a second-round pick on them. That would be kind of like the, maybe even a first-round pick on Kelsey uh, in terms of like where you need to, to get them. 
So you can either go with that. And if you do decide to go with the early route at tight end, maybe it's Kittle or, or, or uh, Pitts in the third, even Waller, Hawkinson later, fourth, fifth. I can get behind them. Even I, I like Dalton Schultz too. But once you get past that list, I see a lot of tight ends. I look at Dallas Goddard, for instance, a guy I really want to avoid who's going in that, you know, sixth, seventh round range, almost to be, to dra- to be drafted as an every week starter. But I think he's someone who's really hurt by A.J. Brown coming. Um, so I, I like Goddard's kind of almost the, the scream avoid to me. But the, the idea is, again, spend, spend on the early guys who we know will be difference makers at the position or wait very late. Uh, you've already mentioned guys like Okwebunam. I think Austin Hooper's a, a great candidate for, for that type of just, if you're not going to go early, wait late and, and draft your tight end there. And the idea is I want to be able to move off that tight end. Or if, you know, Jibs, you mentioned it, draft two. If you're, if you're, you're going to ignore the position, just go really late, just draft two. But also make it so if someone's showing early, if there's another tight end that's getting targets and getting a lot of catches early on the season, I found those tend to stick. Anyone who picked up Dalton Schultz, I know a, a particular league where I did, I won uh, the league last year where I picked up Dalton Schultz after week one. It's a, again, another salary cap contract league. I put the minimum bid on him and had him on my, my roster the whole year at the minimum price. And he was nice. He was a top three tight end. So uh, Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, they, especially Logan Thomas showed it early. I believe week one of 2020 had a bunch of targets and catches. Marcus, you mentioned it earlier, Delaney Walker, his breakout year in Tennessee, it started right from week one. So look for those early indicators at tight end, the guys that are getting targets. Um, and if there's any guys on the, on the waiver wire free agents, pick them up early. And that's why it's again, early or late with tight ends. And again, the reason late is I want to be able to drop that guy. If I, if I'm wrong about the tight end and there's someone who's doing better and it seems inevitably we will be, we'll always miss a tight end every year that, that creeps through. So be flexible with those later tight ends. If you're not going to get the elite studs, don't, don't worry about them in the mid range, take them in the late range and be able to move off them early. All right. I love it, Kyle. I love it. And sorry, the, the one thing I want to add to that, if you do spend up early on, on the tight end, don't get the backup for that same principle. We'll be able to find whoever your backup tight end is. If, I, if I'm going to spend a first round pick on Kelsey, I want to maximize my depth at running back wide receiver and if it's super flex quarterback and not bother with drafting a backup tight end, knowing I'm never going to play them. I'm never benching Travis Kelsey, never benching Mark Andrews. So might as well wait a week or two before their bye week, look for their replacement then, and then just drop them once that bye week's done because you're, you're riding out those studs every week. Agreed, agreed. Thank you for that, Kyle. And Marcus, over to you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, first off, I'm big on on spinning an early round pick on one of the top tight ends because it just, you know, there are, I think, four or five guys at the top, maybe six that you can feel really comfortable with. After that, uh, it really is a roll of the dice. So I've, I've been all about last couple of years just trying to get a, a quality tight end early just to take that sort of headache off my plate. Um, I do think this is a year where you can wait even maybe longer than normal on wide receivers. I think, I think it's, it's important early to make sure you get a quality running back because there's, there's, you know, there's the elite guys at the top. So I think if you're in the first four or five picks, I think you're, you're almost, you almost have to go running back. Um, I mean, I guess maybe you can make an argument for Cooper cup or somebody like that, but I just think because there are so few workhorse running backs now that I think it's hard to avoid one of those, but even in the first couple of rounds, uh, I think you're just seeing, there's such a drop off maybe after the first 15 or 20 running backs that it's hard to avoid that position and wait and come back around and get it. Uh, you know, I saw some conversation recently that the, the RB dead zone, which in the past had been somewhere in rounds like three or four, maybe it moves a little bit later. Now it's somewhere in rounds, you know, four five and six. Uh, so I think that means you have to go and make sure you get one of those guys, at least one of those guys, maybe two, if you can, depending on what your draft strategy is going to be. The other part of it is if you're talking about the last part of your draft, you're looking late in the last few rounds. Um, and this isn't necessarily new, but I think it's worth reminding people is it's important to sort of draft, for upside. I know it's easy to kind of fall back on familiar names, guys that you've been seeing and been drafting for so many years, but you know, a guy like Jarvis Landry is not really going to get much for you. He's a guy who right now is probably a lot better real football player. And he's a much better locker room guy than what he's going to give you in fantasy. So why not take that and look for maybe a young player on a team that, you know, look, a guy like I mean, Garrett Wilson, I don't know how long he's going to be there, but a guy like that who's on a team that's probably going to be playing from behind where they're going to have to throw the football a lot. It's going to have a lot of upside because a lot of targets are going to be there. You want that guy that 
at least the possibility for big things are going to happen as opposed to the guy that we've seen the movie before and we sort of know how it ends. I kind of want the guy that, that, you know, I don't know how things are going to turn out and maybe there's a chance for something because again, if it doesn't work out, uh, then you just, you know, you quietly shuffle them back to the waiver wire and you pretend it never happened. But if it does work out, uh, then, then you really do have something on your hands. And on top of it, you can just crow about it to everybody in your league for time, time immemorial. Instead of Landry, go for Landry's teammate, Chris Olave, right? There you go. That's yeah, it. That. Definitely love that. Perfect. All right. I love, I love the draft strategy, guys. I know some of my draft strategies kind of filtering with your guys, so I love that a lot. Uh, but we're going to wrap this show up tonight, guys. I appreciate both of you jumping on tonight. It was a lot of fun uh, talking with you guys' fantasy. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to let you start first. Anything you want to mention, uh, you guys got going on over there, you want to mention? Yeah, so first off, I'm on Twitter at Senra Says, and I'm part of two teams, fans football-wise, uh, with Going for Two. I already kind of referenced with the hat for those who can see it on video. Uh, I do two live shows with Going for Two. One's called Press Coverage, kind of a one-on-one interview type show, sit down with people in the fantasy industry, get to know their careers in the industry, but also some of the other fun stuff, passion, music, movies, other things that they enjoy. So uh, that's always a fun series. Guests always seem to really enjoy you know, there's some fantasy talk. We, we, we love fantasy. We, we can't help it. But to kind of get away from that and not be so fantasy football centric on a fantasy football show uh, gets the appeal. But for those who really like the fantasy content, especially Dynasty, I'm also on the Dynasty Gambit. Uh, so press coverage is usually on Mondays, Dynasty Gambit on Thursdays, every two weeks, alternating with a bunch of great shows on the Going for Two Live network. Uh, like even uh, for anyone watching live tonight, there's a show, uh, The Two Point Conversion. I believe they go on 10, 10, 30. It's a, a one west coast co-host actually marcus you were on uh, the two-point conversion this year i believe mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. so yeah so great uh, going for two uh coverage great shows we have great guests like marcus come on so appreciate uh, you joining us on, on the network marcus <laughs> uh, also with full press coverage forgot to mention that uh, a couple podcasts with them full press fantasy pod full press packers pod because they have a packers fan so uh, again, all that full press coverage content, everything again at Senra says. And yes, really Kyle. appreciate the coaches for allowing me to come. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle does everything in the industry, that's for sure. <laughs> Marcus, my friend, over to you. Uh, well, most of the stuff you can find, I, I kind of use uh, Twitter as my clearinghouse. So it's Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. Uh, you can check his stuff out there. Uh, if you don't know, I work for a little mom and pop startup called the National Football League. And uh, you can find these. We, we have a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. But uh, we actually will be coming back to TV real soon. NFL Fantasy Live will have some preseason shows starting on August 15th. I think we're doing a handful of shows over the two weeks uh, in the middle of August. Our regular season stuff uh, starts on August 29th. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, we're still doing the podcast. It's me and Michael F. Florio putting out podcasts uh, wherever you download fine podcasts. You can also download ours as well. Uh, so, you know, check it out, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher, all those places. Uh, and like I said, uh, we're doing stuff at YouTube. So it's YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. Um, I have been sort of taking a, a TikTok break during the summer. But now that, uh, yeah, I'm on the talk. It's funny. I, I, my wife used to like watch TikTok and just sit on the couch and like giggle. And I, she would show it to me. And they're all dancing videos. And I'm like, this is stupid. Who would do it? Uh, and now like I'm all about TikTok. Like it's weird. Um, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll start to kind of, you know, gear back up on TikTok. So you can find me there. Uh, I, I wasn't smart yeah. enough to actually make everything one username. So it's at Marcus Grant. <laughs> there as opposed <laughs> to Marcus and Uh But I think that's it. I think I'm in more places than the law allows. So you'll, you'll see me whether you want to or not. Yeah, if you want to sit there for hours just watching Marcus uh, talk about fantasy on TikTok. It's going to be happening. So it's weird, man. Like I did some, I did some ones last year or actually earlier this off season. Uh, you know, part of it's cause I get bored and I come up with weird things. So like I had, uh, I had like a stuffed baby Yoda doll and like a Godzilla T-Rex doll. And they were like arguing about Josh Allen. It's a whole thing. Oh, let's go. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Go, go. You know, if you're, if you're really bored, you go file and it'd be like, man, this dude was really high. Like what the hell's happening? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff is there too. Definitely love it. Love it. Coach Jibs, anything you want to mention before I wrap us up tonight? Uh, no, sir. Take us home. Take us home. All right, guys. So appreciate uh, you guys jumping on. I appreciate you guys, those who listened, and will be listening afterwards once we post the show live. Uh, as always, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. Uh, we got articles. We have the podcast. You know, we have uh, my rankings up there. We have our, you know, playbook stat sheets that are up there. 
And of course, if you're also on the website, check out our Podathon that we're having August 16th and the charity leagues that we're having with it. Uh, we had a lot of fun and success last year with it for the Humane Society. And if you guys want to play and enter, please do so. Uh, we will be back uh, next uh, next Monday, guys, again. And if you want to make sure that we're following one time, we're going to go on. Always on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. You can find all of our content and anytime that we're doing anything. So we thank you all for listening. Tune in until next time, guys, and have a good one. The bag is not far-fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super-duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mighty has entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up, I'm a head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.